I would like to ask you, please, if you'd take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 145 in preparation for the message, in preparation for the main meal. And just before we get to the main meal, I thought I would give you a few appetizers. Appetizers. Here's one. Why did the farmer run a steamroller over his potato field on Thanksgiving Day? Answer, he wanted to raise mashed potatoes. <laughs> I don't think Pastor Lisa even knew that one. <laughs> Why did the turkey cross the road? It was Thanksgiving Day and he wanted people to think that he was a chicken. <laughs> a lady was picking through the frozen turkeys at the grocery store for Thanksgiving Day, but she couldn't find one big enough for her family. She asked the stock boy and said, uh, do these turkeys get any bigger? The stock boy replied, no ma'am, they're dead. What did the turkey say to the computer? Google, 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 Google. <laughs> Even turkeys understand computer talk. <laughs> uh, what did the turkey say to the Turkey hunter on Thanksgiving Day. What, what, what did he say? Pastor Lee said, when I ask a question, you say what, okay? So, what did the turkey say to the turkey hunter on Thanksgiving Day? Quack, quack, quack. Why did the farmer have to separate the chicken and the turkey? He sensed foul play. Pedro said, Pedro said, I was going to serve sweet potatoes with Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I was going to serve sweet potatoes with Thanksgiving dinner, but I sat on them. And John said, well, what are you serving now? Pedro answered, squash. <laughs> uh, what do you call a turkey on the day after Thanksgiving? Lucky. What do you call a running turkey? Fast food. <laughs> uh, do, do, you, do you want to really freak someone out? <clears throat> add, two, add two extra turkey legs to the turkey when it's in the oven. Some of you didn't get that. Well, our, our congregation told me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes, but I told them I couldn't quit cold turkey. <laughs> all right, all right, okay, all right. Well, we come today to our message, and our message is entitled, Lord, we give you Thanks, Lord, we give you thanks from Psalm 145, Psalm 145, 1, verse 1 to 12, we see some marvelous truths for giving thanks to the Lord. Here it is. This is the New Living Translation, and it says, 
I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. Lord, we thank you for this portion of your holy Bible. Lord, accept our thanksgiving, accept our praise, Lord, as we reflect upon this portion of your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. My friends, first of all today, we want to say thank the Lord because of his greatness. Thank the Lord because of his greatness. This truth comes out in the very first three verses here as we read them. And then especially as we come to verse 3, read it out loud with me from the big screen. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Amen? Because God is so great, he is big enough and he is powerful enough to help you and me with whatever with whatever challenge or problem we are going through or we might go through in the future. There is no issue, there is no problem that you and I can bring to God that is too big, that is too big for him to handle because verse 3 declares, great is the Lord. Amen? Amen? No one can measure his greatness, says verse 3. And then verses 4, 5, and 6 seem to just amplify, amplify God's greatness. If you just look at them, verse 4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power, verse 5. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles, verse 6. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I, I will proclaim your greatness. Amen? And then verses 11 and 12 carry on the theme once again and, and amplify it further. Chris Tomlin has beautifully captured this truth of God's greatness in the song, How Great Is Our God. The chorus says, How great is our God, sing with me. How great is our God, and all will see. How great, how great is our God. And then the last verse of that beautiful song says, You're the name above all names. 
You are worthy of our praise, and my heart will sing how great is our God. Amen. My, my, my friends, whatever, whatever family problem we are facing, whatever financial challenge or health issue or work hassles we are going through or might be going through in the future, remember how great is our God and be encouraged by that real marvelous truth. Uh, we used to sing, we used to sing this song to the children or we used to teach the song to the children. Uh, I think my wife used to teach the boys and girls. Cindy, do you remember My God is So Big? Do you remember, do you remember that song? Do, do you remember the words? Do you remember the words? Do you, would, you like to, would you like to lead us? Would you like to lead us in it? No, no you don't? Okay, well, Pastor Lisa will then. <laughs> you know, that, that song, that song says, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Uh, many of you know, if you quote it with me. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He made the trees, he made the seas, he made the elephants too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Isn't that beautiful? So on this Thanksgiving Sunday, my dear friends, let us thank the Lord because of his greatness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Then secondly, secondly, thank the Lord because he is good. One of the songs that our worship team led us in so beautifully earlier brought forth this truth in a marvelous way. Out of the scripture here, Psalm 145, where we're finding ourselves uh, today, verse 7. Verse 7 says, read it with me. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. Say it again. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. And Psalm 34, verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 107, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 119, 68, you are good and do only good. And then if you were to look at Matthew 7, verse 11, it says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And Psalm 111, or 118, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 85, the second part of verse 11, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I heard Pastor Rick Warren say something like this. He said, if God was a mean-spirited vindictive creator, there would be no reason to be thankful to him. If God was aloof, if he was uncaring, if he was detached from your life, there would be no reason to be grateful. If God was inconsistent, if he was unreliable and couldn't be trusted, there would be no reason to thank God. If God was cruel, if he was evil, if God was vicious or hateful, there would be no reason to thank God but none of those things, none of those things are true 
about God. Instead, the Bible declares, give thanks to the Lord, for he is God. Say it with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Amen. A third reason to thank God is this. Number three, thank the Lord because he is holy. He is holy. This truth comes from the last part of, of verse 7 where it says, They will sing with joy about your righteousness. About your righteousness. What is righteousness? It is holiness. It is holiness. Psalm 97, 12, verse 12 declares, May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. What does, what does righteousness and holiness mean? It means that God, God is pure. God is, is perfect. It means there is no one like him in the entire universe. He is faultless. And that's what we can thank God for. He is worthy. He is worthy of our thanksgiving. He is worthy of our praise just because of who he is. He is God Almighty who is holy. Holy, 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 says the hymn writer. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. Amen. Amen. And here's a fourth reason we want to give the Lord thanks. Number four. Thank the Lord because he is merciful, compassionate, and slow to get angry. This comes out of verse 8 directly. Read it with me. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry. We read in Psalm 119, verse 156, Lord, how great is your mercy. Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy. What is mercy? What is mercy as it, as it pertains to God and you and me? How, how does it especially relate to us? Well, mercy is withholding, withholding of the punishment or judgment our sins deserve. That's what it is. Psalm 78 contains an example of how God was merciful to the people of Israel. In that portion of the Bible, for instance, verse 32, the latter part of verse 32 in Psalm 78 says this. It says, Despite God's wonders, they refused to trust him. They refused to trust God. Verse 36, verse 37. But all they gave the Lord was lip service. They lied to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. Listen now to how God treated them in verses 38 and 39. It says, Yet, yet, God was merciful and forgave their sins and did not destroy them all. Many times God held his anger and did not unleash his fury, says the psalmist, for God remembered that they were merely mortal. Wow. 
God has also been merciful towards you and you and you and you up in the balcony. Radio listeners, he's been merciful towards you as well to all of us. Psalm 103, verse 8 and following declares, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And then verse 10, verse 10 says, he does not, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Isn't that beautiful? He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. God has been and is merciful towards you and me. And because, because of his mercy, the Lord wants to forgive you and me of all our sins. And we can be forgiven. We can be forgiven because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. By the way, God is merciful towards you. Are you merciful towards other people? Are you merciful towards others? The Gospel of Matthew chapter five verse seven says, Jesus is speaking and he says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, those who also are willing to forgive as God forgives us, for they will be shown mercy. Let's take our attention back to Psalm 145, verse 8, where, where it says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. The Lord is compassionate towards you and me. There's a close connection between mercy and compassion. Do you, do I, show compassion towards others? Philippians chapter two verse one says, are your hearts, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Is your heart tender and compassionate? Psalm 145 verse eight also goes on and says, the Lord is slow to get angry. It's a good thing that the Lord is slow to get angry with us. Because sometimes, sometimes we human beings do some very stupid and sinful things. Come on now. Isn't that right? Sometimes we human beings do some stupid and terrible 
dumb and sinful things. Here's one little example. Last week, I left the Markham Stouffville Hospital around 10 p.m. after visiting several patients there. I left the hospital to go home, and I got onto Highway 7. Those of you who drive on Highway 7 know that there are major sections of it that are just one lane east and one lane west, right? Just one lane in each direction. I got on Highway 7 and started to head home. It was pitch dark. It was raining. The section that I was on had no, no lights. Pitch dark, it's raining, and I'm driving along, it's hard to see. The line between the eastbound and the westbound, the line was solid. When that line is solid, what does it mean, congregation? Thou shalt not pass. If that's what you said, you're right. That line that is solid means it is too dangerous to pass. Now I was going the speed limit, which was 60 kilometers an hour. I'm going 60. I see someone behind me trying to push me to go faster. But it was, like I said, dark and dismal. It was hard to see. Very little lighting, no lighting except the vehicle headlights. And so I'm just trying to stick to that 68 so that hopefully no one behind me would honk. I'm moving along, minding my own business. The line is solid. And would you believe it? A car behind me started to pass, to pass me. Now, I tried to help the situation by moving to the right in my lane as far as I could to make it as easy for him to pass, even though he should not have been passing in such a dangerous area. I moved my car to the right, and I also slowed down a little bit to make it as easy for him to pass so that he could do it as quickly as possible. But I cringed, I cringed as as he passed because I said, Lord, if there, if there is anybody coming from the other side, there's going to be a head-on collision. No doubt about it. And so anyway, he passed, and uh, when he passed me safely, I, I felt a little bit more relaxed. I continued on on Highway 7, and then it became 70 kilometers an hour, and it, because it was so dark and dismal and raining, I really did not want to go 70, all right? And all you wise people there wouldn't want to go 70 unless you really had to as well. But I, I sped up to 70 once again so no one behind me would honk and complain and, and, and take my license plate and write me nasty notes. <laughs> so I, I moved up to 70, so I'm moving along really careful, looking out, looking, looking to make sure the road is safe. And wouldn't you know it, we're going 70. 
should be plenty of speed, especially in the rain, in the darkness. And guess what? Somebody got behind me, and they didn't think we were going fast enough. And so what did they do? They started to pass me. It wouldn't have been so bad, except again, the, the line was solid. And it was a section of Highway, uh, highway 7 where, where the, the road was a little bit windy, and it was a little bit up and downhill, so you could not see. You couldn't even see, most likely, if it was daylight, if someone is coming from the other direction. And yet, the dear person behind me couldn't wait, had to pass me. So he or she, you women do dumb things too. It's not just us men. So that driver passed, passed me, and again, I cringed even more because now he or she was going even more than 70 and there was no way of seeing who's coming from the opposite direction. And uh, fortunately, fortunately, no one, no one else was coming in the opposite direction. And again, I, I moved my car to the right as much as I could, and I slowed down a little bit without, you know, confusing the other driver. Slowed down. They got past me safely. But again, I cringed, and I thought, why do you do this? And I, I said to myself, you know, sometimes I say to myself, I don't know if you ask yourself this, sometimes I say to myself, why do these head-on collisions happen? Why? And, and that night, in, in a space of about 10 minutes, I, I saw how and why these head-on collisions happen. And I, and I felt like weeping because it was so unnecessary so, so, so uncalled for. And yet, and yet, it happens too often. Tragically, and very sadly, yesterday, there was a head-on collision on Highway 7, resulting in three deaths and two people seriously injured. My friends, sometimes we human beings do stupid and sinful, sinful things that must break the heart of God. Yet God is slow to get angry with us. And other times, other times we do terrible things like passing on a highway or a regular road when we should not be passing and families, families are heartbroken because of head-on collisions as happened yesterday on Highway 7. When I heard about this terrible crash, I read, I read about how the police were trying to figure out what happened. I can pretty much tell them what happened. I wasn't there. But I saw what happened just last week, and I thought, this is how head-on collisions occur. Now, I told you, I told you about my experiences on Highway 7 with a hope and prayer that if you, if you are a driver, whether it's someone here in the sanctuary, whether it's a radio listener, an internet listener, uh, I, I tell you to say that if you are a driver who does unnecessary and dangerous things on the roads and highways, 
You must stop and correct your ways before it is too late. Before you cause unnecessary agony for yourself and for your family. Let us thank the Lord because he is merciful, compassionate, and slow to get angry. And may his example inspire you and me. And may his spirit, may his spirit work in us to bring about mercy and compassion and the control of anger in each of us. Amen? Then I take you to this fifth beautiful truth, and it is this. Thank the Lord for his love. Verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Go ahead, read it with me. Read it with me from the big screen. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, Let them praise the Lord together with me. Let them praise the Lord for his great love. Let's just go to the next one. For your God's unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Praise him, all you people of the earth, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. First John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? I was looking at the back of uh, my Bible where I have what we call a concordance, which tells me where I, where I can find many of the Bible verses that speak about God's love for you and me. It is incredible how many Bible verses speak of God's love for us. I, I mean, I'm sure I've... I'm sure I've realized this before, but when I was preparing for this message, as I was going th through my concordance at the back, I thought, wow, it is just awesome how many Bible verses speak about God's love. And I was, I was, thinking, I was thinking about how much I love my four-year-old grandson, Yanni, and my 19-month-old granddaughter, Everly Ruth. I, I know how much I deeply love them, and yet God's, God loves our little grandchildren more than my wife and I could ever love them. Isn't that something? God loves you more, listen now, God loves you more than your parents love you or your husband or wife loves you, or anyone else could ever love you. Now that, that can be hard for many of us to fully understand, but it's true. 
It's true. No one can ever love you as much as God loves you. Dr. Lisa, no one can ever love you, and I know how much your mother and father love you, and I also know how much your brothers love you, though they might not frequently confess it. I know how much they love you, but God loves you more than anyone could ever love you. Isn't that something? May the Lord's love, may the Lord's love inspire all of us to love one another. 1 John 4 verse 11 says, Dear friends, since, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Are you loving others? The greatest way in which God has shown his love for you and me is recorded in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which says, read it with me, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There you are. That's how much the Lord loves you. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins and mine. God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Today, we have the privilege of saying thank you to the Lord on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Let us, in our own way, express our thanksgiving. And one of the ways in which we can express our thanks is by participating in the Lord's Supper. We call it sometimes communion. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper. In some denominations it is called the Eucharist, which really is, comes from the Greek word meaning thanks, thanksgiving. As we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are saying, I am thankful, Lord, that you showed your greatest love for me by dying on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And Lord, I will now take the bread and the cup in celebration of my faith and trust in you and as a thanksgiving for all that you've done for me. Praise your holy name. Dear Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you 
for your greatness. Thank you because you are good. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for your mercy, compassion, and slowness to get angry with us. And thank you, Lord, for your love. Your love shown the greatest on the cross of Calvary. We thank you now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.